Hello and welcome to another Comedian's Interview for my blog and podcast, A Rich Comic Life. My name is Richard Gill and my blog describes my experiences of watching over 1,000 comedians and counting over the last 46 years. I'm delighted to welcome my guest today. It's Mr. Garrett Millerick. Yes! Hello, mate. Hello, Rich. How are you? You all right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm a bit tired, but uh, other than that, you know, fighting fit for a Monday. Good man. Good lad. Well, well, thank you so, so much for doing this. It's 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 an honour to be talking to you. And uh, we're going to talk about... You too. Thank you. We're going we're, we're gonna to talk about your comedy career. We're going to go right. right back to the start. Um, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> You're a, you're an acclaimed writer and director in both films and theatre. How did you become a stand-up comedian in the first place? Um, entirely by accident. It wasn't something I, I, I was planning on doing. I, I was working on um, a couple of film projects at the time. I was, uh, I think when I was 20, it was 27, 28, and... Um, I was directing a documentary about ballroom dancing in Birmingham, right. which was not something that I wanted to be doing, but I was, I was doing it for, for money at the time. And um, I, I wanted to make sort of comedy drama films that had been, and, and I'd, I'd got quite far off course. So I think the initial plan was to, because when, you, when you're doing uh, films or theatre shows, you have to get a lot of elements together for the thing to work you have to and it takes a lot of time and there's money and logistics so i thought i had got to a point where i was quite burnt out with it and i had forgotten uh why i wanted to do it in the first place which was kind of you know to, to entertain people because a stand-up comedy theater films music you know they're all just different toolkits for entertainment yeah you know essentially and i i think i watched a couple i, I was watching quite a bit of stand-up at the time and I thought well maybe I'll, what I'll do is I'll I'll start doing a bit of that and I can write something and I can perform it myself because the beautiful thing, thing about stand-up was um, that you, you don't have to uh, marshal uh, many you know you have to marshal yourself uh, in order to do it and so I thought that would be quite a good way to reconnect with an audience it was actually um, Stuart Lee's book I was reading around the time and he was talking about his experiences in commercial theatre and getting back to stand up and I think there was a quote in it it's been a while since I read it but it was something along the lines of you know with stand up it's just you and a microphone and the possibilities yeah. are endless and I yeah. thought oh well that's a good idea so I booked um, I didn't know how to like get into it um, so I booked out the Hen and Chickens Theatre with a friend of mine from university and we we just wrote an hour of um, we did some like double act stuff some solo stuff and it was it was it wasn't like it wasn't the sort of stand-up I do now it was character-based stuff but that was for us we didn't know that that wasn't how you were supposed to do it so right. we did that we, we, we were coming from it for you know that's what you do if you were you know working on a play book some scratch nights so as we didn't know anyone on the circuit or you know the the ins and outs of that but we you know we did have a handle on how to do things from scratch nights we thought oh well, we'll do we'll do that um so that's 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 what we did brilliant that was, so so mm. so you're a, so you start off as a double act when did you become solo 
um, 2011. So that was, we did two double act shows. Right. And I, w- I was hell bent on going to Edinburgh. Um, and she wasn't. So I was like, okay. So I decided to take all of the solo material that I'd done in those double act shows and put it together into a one man show. And then I took a kind of one man character show to Edinburgh in, in 2011. Um, and then that was that was kind of the beginning of starting stand up for me because I get I sort of met people doing that and yeah. going going solo at that point I I I got to know the the basic circuit in London a little bit and there was a, there was a really good uh, character circuit at that time in when, yeah 20, 2011, 2012 around that time you had a lot of very good alternative comedy nights in London yeah. where you could do whatever you liked. Uh, so McNeil and Pamphlon ran one, uh, Pappies ran one, the Wilmington Arms, which unfortunately isn't a venue anymore, was down there. Holly Ebden was booking that. And there were just lots of kind of fun gigs. And it was really nice and there was no money involved in it. Um, so no, there wasn't... Um, it was very friendly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> there, yeah. There wasn't, yeah. And there wasn't a huge amount of hierarchy in it. But within that circuit, you could kind of do whatever you liked. So I, you know, I would be on there doing character stuff with um, people like Ashlyn B uh, doing stand-up. And, you you know, these these this yeah. little kind of alt circuit at the time was very, uh, very good for, for being able to do whatever you liked. So I kind of threw the character thing. I got on that circuit. And then I think through emceeing, uh, I was emceeing a night and that's difficult to do in yeah. character and I tried it a couple of times so I started in February of 2012 the last Sunday February of 2012 is when I, I started doing stand-up like proper stand-up not buggering around with hats and <laughs> so your 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 first ever gig um, mm. uh would be uh you were you were you were you were doing five or ten minutes in pubs is that how you were getting your ground in as a solo stand-up and and going along friends were going along with you and supporting you uh yeah a bit yeah yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so so yeah those those as i say it was quite a lot of nights down the wilmington and yeah, um, yeah. blackheart and camden and then yeah, i yeah. started i started a night called the Schadenfreude Cabaret with um, an act called Louise Ford who was in Ford and Akram oh, yeah, at the time yeah. and then she went she went on to do uh, Jenny Fawcett solo character that's right um, yeah. yeah so we ran a night up in oh, King's Cross yeah, um, yeah. which actually started in Stoke Newton and then we went down to King's Cross um, that, was, that was the first place I ever lived in in London Stoke Newington with my brother and um, that right? there was a the, the, we used to go to the was the name of the comedy club there there was one in n16 but I, I can't remember the name of it but it was all these free comedy nights that that are obviously the grounding the, the the main one i go to now is birdies on the strand which is run by jimmy bird and um again you're there watching um uh, just people getting up from the audience and having a go, you know, and that's that's right, okay. uh, that, that's a that's a great way to to start off. Um, yeah. Did you ever find it difficult at all to break into comedy, either with the double act or the or the solo act? I mean, no. I, it can be. I think it can be difficult to break into comedy professionally. Yeah. Uh, and there are various kind of stages to it which present challenges. But in yeah. terms of in terms of just starting and having a go, 
uh, it's there are no barriers to entry to that whatsoever. No, no. Um, but as you say, you still got nights. You know, you're just mentioning a night there where you can literally get out of the audience. Yeah. I mean, you can. That's a funny thing, actually. When people, um, you know, I've been on stag do's and things with friends of friends, and people will sort of ask, "Oh, I've always wanted to try it." And you go, "Well, just try it." And they say, "Well, would you be able to get me gigs?" I go, "No, no. You'd have to. You know, you it's to very, it's very simple. Yeah, it's very simple. You just go, you go and do it. But it's not." Um, there aren't actually any barriers to entry to actually just yeah. having a having a go. Then, if you want to get better and move on to different stages and and get paid and, and do other things, then yeah, there are barriers. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, there's there's um, that's like anything. Like if you if you're interested in calculus, there's no barrier to picking up a book on calculus, but there are barriers to getting a PhD in it. You, sure. you know, yeah. the stage is moving on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what what do you like to talk about mainly on stage? Do you have any themes? Do you have any um, subjects that that are re, that are recurring in your in your material? Yeah, I, I guess the recurring. Um, I thought uh, there's a comedian, an Australian comedian, a friend of mine called uh, Dan Muggleton, and a couple of years ago um, we were talking about various acts, and I was comparing myself to other colleagues and saying okay we're all kind of doing a similar thing here and he goes oh you guys you're not like any of those guys at all and i was like oh am i not and he said no 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 he goes they're, they're doing kind of socio-political observations and he was like all of your stuff is about how inexplicably difficult it is to be you um, <laughs> <laughs> brilliant <laughs> um yeah and i was like oh i'd not seen it like that before but i guess yeah i guess you're absolutely right um yeah i i consumer complaints um is probably an area i come back to uh in terms of things it's very cathartic to be able to get out your frustrations about stuff yeah. uh, on stage so i tend to you know i had to talk about i was about to say rubbish like recycling bins um <laughs> but yeah um a petty bureaucracy is something i tend to come up against a lot sure. and and so uh i i talk about my experience about that but there's not really anything um uh i don't think that i wouldn't talk about or you know in terms of what i like to talk about like anything as long as it's funny that's mm-hmm. the that that's that's the only, that's the only thing is is trying to work out something to you know it the idea is just to be amusing to other people so it's stuff that yeah. makes me laugh and then i ho- hope that it makes other people laugh, but I'm not on a, I'm not on a crusade where I'm like, well, it doesn't matter if it's funny; it's important. I'm not one of those. <laughs> sure, yeah, of those yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how do you remember your routines, your jokes and routines? Do you have a way of remembering them? Well, they all came out of my head, so uh, it's basically just. Oh, that sounds like quite a glib answer, but I don't. I tend not to learn lines. You by repeating ideas and, and talking through things um, you're coming back to you know st- stuff that I stuff that I wrote I, I, I don't find it difficult basically in terms sure. of I just have a couple of bullet points that I'm talking around and when I'm working up material then I'm kind of shaping dropping stuff out tightening it up as I'm going on stage and then I'll listen to tapes of it back and go okay you don't need to say that there you can sure, say something yeah, else and yeah, then it just yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. goes in it's it's interesting because other than this blog the most creative thing I ever did was um, write a play which I was going to put on in Edinburgh it was only a half hour play right. but um, 
myself and my friend uh, um, put it on for Comic Relief. We raised a lot of money for Comic Relief. And it's called The Applicant. Um, it's basically about me coming down to London and I've got a very successful girlfriend in London but I've never had a job interview. So each um, scene was um, uh, the waiting room waiting for the job and then the interview itself. So the, so, so the waiting room, I was nervous and I'd look at the audience and I'd write a monologue setting up the story of the character. And we mm. rehearsed this, and we rehearsed this, and we rehearsed this. And the, the, the first night we did it, I forgot the monologue, and I was like a rabbit in headlights, and I'd written the <laughs> flaming thing. <laughs> and it's interesting that you say, when you remember your routines, you're sparking off pointers in your head as opposed to learning lines. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, stand-up comedy is very different to acting in yeah. that you can see when people are doing it as actors and it, it doesn't, you know, people do that very early on, but it doesn't, it doesn't work as a, as an art form. It's a, it's closer to conversation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a form, it's a very sort of high level, you know, the magic trick is making the audience feel like they're having a conversation with you. Whereas in fact they are being spoken to yeah. or, 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 or at, but the, um, the recall of it, between you know because it's something that's happening between you and an audience in the moment so if you learn it and it's worked perfect and everything and you're doing it you put up the that fourth wall that you have in theater and that's that's not helpful to stand up and it, it it's something ceases to function properly in stand up when you do that fascinating that, really yeah. really interesting um when I've watched you, I've seen you two or three times, um, and um, every time I've watched you, you're you're extremely confident on stage. You're absolutely fearless with an audience, and you're determined to make them laugh, which is one of one of the great qualities of 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 your comedy. Do you ever get nervous before you go on stage, and if so, how do you deal with the nerves? Um, well, n nerves are. Um I, I don't. I wouldn't say I get nervous before I go on stage, but I do have heightened adrenaline before I go on stage, yeah. which some people would describe as nerves. But um, in order to get up and ready to perform, that's kind of the the fuel pump going in the engine before you take off. You know, so I, I think when you're looking at uh, performance and, and stage and stuff identifying that feeling which is a form of your, your body getting ready to to go to work as a negative thing by calling it nerves is is unhelpful so i've never i've never kind of viewed it in in that way sure yeah, I, I, yeah it's certainly sort of you know you 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 your back gets up and your adrenaline's going and you, your heart goes actually i got a fitbit a couple of years ago and, and saw actually what happens to my my heart rate right. <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm performing which about 10 minutes before I go on stage my heart rate goes like right up into the 90s and then wow. when I'm on stage when I'm on stage is about 112 to 116 and it sustains that for the performance and stays so that's like that's treadmill level stuff yeah so I'm actually kind of when I'm performing I'm I'm in I'm in what the Fitbit was calling the fat burning zone um which I'm, I'm quite a big guy and I, I, I'm on stage a lot. So I think it's a slight misnomer because I'd be skinnier. Um, but yeah, so, so 
all of that is what is necessary to yeah. to do what I do. So, yeah, that does rise up about 10, 15 minutes before I go on stage. And if you're looking at a crowd and the crowd is, um, you know, rowdy or quiet or uh, not what you expected and those things, that kind of, that gets that gets you up because then you need then start thinking okay what am i going to open with how am i going to play this yeah what speed am i going to go in at what point i'm going to ramp it up and all of that sort of stuff um so i guess i could you could call that nerves yeah um but i don't i don't i don't view it in that way um it's just uh it's the physical preparation for 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 going on i guess yeah but as, as you say, you need that to psych yourself up to go on. And once you're on stage, yeah. you're away. You can, you, you, what, what was noticeable when I watched you was you immediately got the audience on your side so you could talk about anything you liked to them. It was fascinating to see. Oh, you saw me, you saw me on a good night then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's let's move on to Edinburgh. Um, I am I am very fortunate uh, to be able to take my holidays at the Edinburgh Fringe every year. I, I've, every I've, year, I've, I've been going since two thousand and five. Obviously, not last year, and, I, and I'm not going to go this year. But You're not I, going I, this year. That's a, that, why not? Come on. Well, I well, I've, I've been in two minds about not going or going or whatever. I will definitely return next year. Yeah, um, but um, uh, when I go, I go for a week, uh, and I see about fifty shows, and I'm absolutely exhausted at the end of it. But I absolutely love it. Um, yeah. Can you tell me what your first Edinburgh Fringe was like, and what year was it, and what was your experience of it? Yeah, uh, it was in two thousand and three. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a student at the University of Southampton, and we used to take two plays in rep up every year so we'd be up there for two weeks and you'd do six or seven performances of I think the first year there was an ache born that I wasn't in and I I had a I played the doctor in The Cripple of Inishman by Martin McDonough so I had about yeah yeah, yeah. I had about ten lines maybe Um, so I had a great time so I went up there um you know, I was a big fan of comedy, and also the film festival used to take place at the same time. That's right, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of everything I was interested in, all in one city. In one there place, was li- yeah. li- live music, there was a film festival, there was comedy, and yeah, it was incredible. Um, and that was the only year that I have ever been that I didn't have any responsibilities, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was, it was fantastic, and I was nineteen. So we would we would drink till six o'clock every morning and then get up without a hangover, and um, you just carry on, don't you? Just yeah, just <laughs> rolling, rolling to do this play, <laughs> reeking, reeking of booze, and then you know go and get a fry up somewhere and then bounce off to the Pleasance Courtyard or you know the assembly rooms or and and just stay there all day just watching watching stuff constantly. One of uh, one, and, of, one of my favorite places in the world is the Pleasance Courtyard just with a, with a with a pint of Guinness your friends and just watch the day go by. It's just yeah. fantastic and see who you see next and it's just an incredible experience. Yeah. Uh, I certainly did feel that in 2003. I think yeah. I'm 
I'm slightly more jaded these days. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I, in, in all honesty, I can't tell you that the Pleasant's Courtyard is one of my favourite places uh. to be. I tend to, when I do shows in the Pleasant's Courtyard, and people go, do you want a drink? I, I tend to say, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you in a pub down 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 the way. Yeah. Um, because, you know, it's fun. You, you're there for a different reason. Sure, yeah, yeah. And there's yeah, a, like, yeah. you're sitting there trying to have a sort of conversation with somebody, and then every 30 seconds somebody comes up and goes hi guys yeah, yeah. Uh, and then yeah. which is fine if you're there for the circus like don't get annoyed by the jugglers yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm not I'm a clown yeah. so I'm like piss that's off and leave me alone that's a brilliant analogy <laughs> <laughs> that's so so true um, yeah you performed your first Edinburgh show Sensible Answers to Stupid Questions in 2012 Great yeah, it was my acclaim. first my first stand-up show. I don't think it was great acclaim. There was some acclaim. Oh, I got it was a few popular f- when 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 I was I couldn't get in. I tried to get in and see it, and I couldn't get in. Oh right, okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Um, um, so that so so following on from that, please describe your writing process if you've got one, ooh. and where do you get your ideas from for solo shows? Um, for solo shows. Uh, it tends to be, uh, you know, I write, Edinburgh can be quite a seasonal thing. There are people who just do Edinburgh, so they will start writing, you know, uh, a couple of months beforehand or whatever. Um, that tends to, for stand-ups, we, we work throughout the year. So it, I will be constantly writing and the themes uh, of what I'm writing at any one time, uh, although I don't think about it consciously, usually... Uh, there is a thematic link between those things and it's kind of like a magic eye picture when you stare at enough material the point of it kind of rises up after a while sure. um, so that's kind of how I guess uh, some solo shows can come about um, for me anyway like the the last two have been slightly different um, this one I'm working on at the moment uh, I have absolutely no idea what it's about <laughs> yeah um this this show i don't know this uh, well i'm actually i'm kind of i'm working I, i'm doing a kind of updated version at the moment of the show that i was touring just before the pandemic right. um so i've kind of taken bits out of that i had a bunch of new stuff that isn't a show yet but does in some ways fit in with bits and pieces so there were some bits of that show that aren't relevant anymore and so i've kind of done a, an updated version of it which i'm taking to the ventnor fringe later on this week and then i'll be doing in edinburgh um just because i want to do when you're back out there i want to actually do a show for people who are coming to buy tickets although it's a work of progress there'll be some brand new stuff in there and there'll be some some stuff from just before the pandemic and then uh, structurally it will be quite similar to to smile sure, um yeah, and then yeah. I th- yeah and then by next uh year it'll all be it'll be completely new good um yeah so 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 this year's is a work in progress but yes. by the, as you said by the time we get to 2022 you should have a show raring to go and ready to tour again yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. that is the idea. Hopefully, go and do do Edinburgh and then go on a a, a tour after that. Yeah, because yeah. it kind of, yeah. Um, the pandemic did bugger all that up quite a lot. <laughs> I, I got to do. I I, I was going on my first national tour and I got to do one night of it, and that was my last gig before the before the oh, pandemic. Oh mate! 
Oh, <laughs> I should have. I should have come along. Not that I don't. Um, but um, I, 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 I would have loved to have seen you on tour. I was. I still will when you resume it. Um, to, today, well, that that, sh that show, luckily. It was recorded. I recorded it in Edinburgh, right. uh, an audio recording of it. And my last show, Sunflower, had been put out in the States by 800 Pound Gorilla Records. And so I had a, I had a six-track WAV of Smile in Edinburgh. And I said to them, because we were going to record the show on the tour, I said, I do actually have a, a, a high-quality recording of it. So the that was released uh, last month as an album. So that's on Brilliant. Spotify and... and yeah. um, Apple Music and well wherever you get your stuff yeah um, and that just so happens to be the performance from Edinburgh so that's I think 24th of August 2019 is when that album was recorded um, brilliant brilliant well well I, I for one I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to that because it if, if it's your if it's your last show then uh, then great yeah um to date, what has been your comedy highlight? Have you had a comedy highlight at all, or was it the first time? Was there was there ever a time where you thought, "Yes, I can make a go out of this. I can. I stand up comedy is for me." Um, I uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think I. I think everybody thinks that going in. Yeah. Because that's what keeps you going. Is like I don't. Yeah, think yeah, yeah. It. it yeah. It's not. It's not an amateur sport. Generally, uh, there aren't many hobbyists doing it. So I think everybody who is walking out on stage and who's doing it past that first gig has an idea in their head that they could make something of it, and it could be, uh, you know, it could be their career. I think that's what uh, people are going for. Yeah. In terms of in terms of highlights, yeah. I mean, there have been there have been loads. Um, um, you know, the the. I had a show in Edinburgh a couple of years ago that really hit, and that was the first time I'd had a like a, a hit, and that was fantastic. Like the, when I got passed for doing weekend work at the comedy store, when yeah. I did my first gig abroad, when I did my first paid gig, well, even when I did my first gig, you know, hopping in a car with four other comics, and, and you know, it was great. Um, and then you know, you get your first good review, and then you get your first good review in a national newspaper, and then you know, it goes on and on and on and on um, from there. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been very lucky, so I've had yeah, I've had loads of those moments. Um, it's all it's all experience as well, isn't it? It all comes down to experience. I always I, I, I can always imagine that um, uh, even even the difficult gigs give you experience to become a better comedian. Yeah, I think when you have, when you get past doing your first like really horrible yeah. gigs, yeah, um, you sort of realise that it the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and, and broadly speaking, it it doesn't matter. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's not bad for you necessarily to know what five hundred people who want you to die look like. Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> that's that isn't necessarily. You know that's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Yeah. Um, you know, most people's you know the extent of that is sort of being worried about going on a date or something and, and <laughs> sitting across a table from somebody who might find them boring. You know? <laughs> um, I I always remember I've told I've told a lot of comedians this. Um, uh, mm -hmm. I I've watched 
as I said at the start, over a thousand comedians. So I'm, I, I always sit in the audience and watch. But one year I did actually have a go at stand up myself, and I, and uh, right. the 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 promoter said to me, um, "Now we're going to put you on." It was in Edinburgh, and uh, we're going to put you on in in a little tiny pub on a wet Monday afternoon, and it's a gong show for old people, so for or for for older folk. So I walked out, okay. and uh, it was it couldn't be worse. I walked out, and I had this script, and um, uh, the first thing I said to them was, um, "Ladies and gentlemen." People think I look like Eddie the Eagle Edwards, the ski jumper, but I can't see the resemblance myself. And I thought, that's a fail-safe opener because when I was at college, I was his double, and you know, and yeah, one, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> and just one bloke at the back went, back off, and gone me off straight away after about ten seconds. And I thought, oh, I don't know about this, but then they. The, the the promoter said, have another go, have another go, and a similar thing happened. And I said, I don't know whether this is for me, but I'll certainly support them. I think my, my space is in Well, the maybe, I don't know. I don't but know it wasn't the best them. thing to, to do, you know. Never say never again, but... Um, I, I, I saw someone at the Comedy Store, King Gong, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Years ago, a decade ago now. Um, and she brought down, like, a minibus of her whole family, and they were... <laughs> They were in two rows there, and they were obviously like, "Oh, you know, oh, Katie's playing the comedy store this evening." And she lasted about she lasted about ten seconds, and she just walked off, and they all just filed out immediately. And I think she was like third on, but this sort of block in the audience got off. Wow! And I was thinking, like, what did you think this was? Like, why did you? It's a very, very bad idea to do that. It is. Um, it is amazing. I mean, when when I. When I thought about writing the blog, I went on a half-day writing course, and all the other people with me wanted to be reviewers. And the the woman who um, organised the course, she said, she said, "We've forgotten why we've invited you." And I said, "I said I'm not a diarist. I'm not a reviewer. I'm not a reporter. I'm a member of the audience. I'm out to have a good time. And I can't right. understand why." like you say folk go for other reasons other than to laugh or to enjoy themselves because it's such a positive experience that's why comedians do it i would guess well why we do comedy yeah. no it's got nothing to do with positivity it's <laughs> narcissism. well the audience <laughs> love it <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> but it was yeah. just very awkward people who would rather you know talk to 500 people than one yeah. <laughs> it's just uh, you know it's just got very very poor social skills in quite an advanced way um, I guess yeah yeah um, do you have any ambitions as a comedian do you want to be do you want yes I definitely want to be a comedian <laughs> um, my own chat show or do you want to uh, be no. on do you want to be on TV, quiz shows, or anything like this? I, I, I don't want to be on quiz shows, no. no. I, I, want to be a, I want to be a stand-up comedian, so I would be, you know, I've done... Uh, I'd like to be on television in Britain, because so far I've only been on television in America. Right. Um, which, you know, um, started to feel a bit personal. You know, I've lived here my whole life and everything, and, you know, I do quite well here live. Yeah. It would be nice. Yeah. <laughs> it would be nice if I didn't have to get a five-hour plane flight to... Uh, <laughs> 
to go to go on TV. But, but yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to be on television in America. Um, but yeah, it would be it would be good if I could um, yeah. if I could get more work closer to home. That would be nice. Uh, but in terms, yeah, that you know, I'd like to I'd like to tour more. Yeah, um, I would like to. Uh, yeah, I would. I, I would like to do some uh, appearances, but you know, only insofar as that would support the the live career. Sure. Know? Yeah. 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 So no, I'm not. I'm not interested in hosting a revival of Blankety no. Blank. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how have you found online gigs as opposed to live stand-up? Have you done many online? Gigs? Incredibly lucrative. Um, <laughs> good answer <laughs> yeah um yeah i was i spent most of the pandemic doing online corporates right with zero zero travel costs right performing to people all over the world from exactly where i am talking to you now yeah and we just uh, we just had a baby so it was fantastic yeah um yeah so i could just nip in here and do do 20 minutes, 20 minutes yeah, yeah. yeah to some people in singapore or south africa or America or wow. Edge Baston or wherever you know, yeah. and you could you could do you could do a few of them in a in an afternoon. My first experience of online gigs was dreadful, um, and I didn't do them for a while in lockdown one. I did one, and there was no feedback at all, so I was just performing to a blank screen, and all of the little kind of all of the little kind of receptors in your brain that kind of lock into an audience. They're all sort of flapping with no data, and so <laughs> it was it was very unpleasant. Um, and then I did, uh, I did some very well run ones, mm. um, but that's interesting. You see, because online gigs—it uh, seems like a trite thing to say it—but like they're exactly the same as real gigs in that um, ones that are poorly run by people who don't know what they're doing are generally quite a stressful experience, yeah. and ones that are very well run by people who do know what they're doing uh, could be a breeze. Um, so. Uh, I got to a point where I quite I quite enjoyed doing them. Mm -hmm. It didn't it it didn't um, you know it didn't replace uh, live comedy, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah. but like you know need, needs must. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean. It's exactly it's exactly my argument. I I look at it. I I look at online comedy as a super sub. To the real thing. I mean, um, I, I, d I don't know what I would have done if it hadn't have happened. Um, uh, it was, it, it was an outlet for me to to carry on watching a form of comedy online. And mm. and when it when it first started, there was no um, uh, audio. So I would sit here with and me with my loud laugh, looking at laughing at four walls, and I thought I was going to be taken away, you know. But but then they <laughs> then they opened it up, uh, opened up the audio, so the comedians could at least banter with the virtual front row, if you like. Uh, yeah, and, I like the virtual front row. And I like and things. Yeah, I like it when you're doing the thing with the you can see into people's yeah. houses and, yeah yeah you know, like like a, like like any gig if people have their cameras off and their microphones off and they're yeah. just there looking voyeuristically it doesn't really work because you know the online thing even on zoom is a kind of an interactive medium it's yeah. certainly yeah. it's attempting to be so i've done a few where people would just dicks where they just turn <laughs> the cameras off and 
you know, you're just you're just playing to like you, you know it's it's it, it, they are the dicks. It's just obnoxious bad behaviour yeah, where you yeah. you're rather than engaging with something, you're like, well, I'm going to be sort of snide and not engage with it, and you go, okay, well then it won't work, and they yeah, go well, exactly, yeah. and you go, no, yeah. you you have to. Um, in the same way as you know if you go into a comedy club and everybody is looking at the floor with their arms folded it's not going to work so if you log on to a zoom and you've got you know 50 100 people's just names with no cameras on it's not going to work i you would know, just, I, it doesn't I, that it, that is that that is so true i i would end up going on a monday i'd go to sean james's happy mondays online gig the main one I would go to is always be comedy. I'm all, always on the front oh, row yeah. there, and and they are superb at what they do. Um, and but I also would go to the Friday night one, the Irishman abroad gigs with Charlotte Regan. And if, as you say, if they were done well, it was a joy to watch. But but there were one or two um, uh, uh, ones that I wanted to experience that were quite odd, you know, because. Um, the the person would think they know what they're doing, but things would go wrong. Um, but yeah. but but ultimately, um, for me, you can't be live stand up. There's there's something about being in the moment in the room, and you're there on a Saturday night with all your mates, and you've and and it's just extraordinary. And and I go in and I sit down and I say, right, entertain me. And you get all these wonderful comics coming on as though they've done it for the first time. That's that's another great thing about you. It's so effortless for you that um, uh, it's just a joy to watch. And 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 with it being in the moment, it means anything can happen. You know, which is it's, the thing is, Richard. It's not effortless for any of us. We're, we're, we're like. <laughs> We're like we're like we're like ducks if you're doing it well, you know. It's <laughs> under under the water, it's it's frantic, and then yeah, you know, yeah, it's just everything yeah. cool and gliding on the top. Um, yeah, I mean, human beings are we're pack animals. Yeah, and you know, uh, comedy, sport, music, you know, even the cinema are, are we are we enjoy ourselves more in in groups. Yeah, so there's that thing of everybody's been at home for 15 months or whatever, and you know people wanting to do zoom gigs and you know be a part of something and keep something going yeah it's great but it doesn't it, as you say it doesn't uh, it doesn't provide it's not actually a substitute for being in a room with other human beings experiencing that even distancing you know social distancing yeah. when you yeah. go back and you do those gigs it's just it's tough and it works on everybody being like right we are keeping this going but it relies on goodwill from the stage and goodwill from the audience and everything because it just doesn't work as well no. you will laugh harder sat next to somebody laughing and we you know we all will because it's a cathartic group experience if you're two and a half meters away it's very difficult to have a, a shared collective experience you know yeah yeah interesting um, yeah um <clears throat> Who are your favourite comedians, past and present? Um, did you did you grow well, up with comedy? Was was a comedy yeah? I mean, I'd, I'd say the main one when I was a kid was uh, Harry Enfield. That oh, was the Harry yeah. Harry Enfield's television program got me in a lot of trouble when I was when I was a kid. <laughs> I used to learn all the sketches from it and. <laughs> go and perform them at school um so that and spitting image were my two gateway drugs i used to um 
sneak out of bed on a Sunday night and we had a TV and video upstairs and I used to record spitting image on the sly and then go and learn all the sketches and perform at school and then I, I ran a sort of illicit trade at school in um, in contraband comedy videos so I would <laughs> I would lend comedy videos to people that, that I had taped past our bedtime when we were like eight nine years old Brilliant. and then my parent my parents would get people coming up to them in the car park being like um, you know we're very sorry but we don't think that this is appropriate. My parents had absolutely n- no idea what they were talking about. And they were sort of handing them test, handing them Tesco carrier bags with um, with VHS cassettes of bottom and spitting image. Just brilliant, and yeah. I, yeah, with uh, and I would get I would get in a lot of trouble for that. Um, but <laughs> like, why not? All the all yeah. the eight year olds were enjoying yeah, yeah, watching yeah. spitting image. Yeah, so yeah. you know, um, we, we we went to see. Um, Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse on the 25th anniversary tour. Yeah, and I saw that. Yeah. And he, and he, where they reinvented all the, all the, um, all the old characters that they did, but but they put it in a modern setting. I, I could not stop laughing. I thought it was so cleverly done. Yeah, it was yeah. fantastic. I, yeah. I, the other day, I was watching Harry Enfield and Paul Whitehouse's History of BBC Two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I'll say here on your podcast, I think it's disgusting that they didn't get a knighthood for that. Exactly. I think, yeah. it is, I think it, it's one of, you know, the best the, the best things that has been produced in the last 10 years. It's just phenomenal. It's clever. It's silly. There's yeah. a joke every minute. Yeah. The, the performances are, are phenomenal. The writing's incredible. And it's just, it's genuinely like laugh out loud funny. Yeah. Um, the other thing I watched recently um, that, really sort of caught me was um, I think you should leave I saw some people recommending it's a Netflix sketch show right and uh, and uh, yeah that had me laughing out loud and I don't laugh out loud a lot uh, particularly these days because I'm sort of <laughs> looking at it going right what are they doing how are they doing that and also <laughs> a lot of stuff isn't very funny uh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so um, but yeah I, I put that on and I was I was I was laughing a lot within the first couple of minutes um, I'll keep an eye out for that definitely is that is yeah. that like is that in the vein of something like the fast show then where it's just sketch 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 yeah it's it's a it's a, yeah. it's a sketch show on yeah. Netflix uh, yeah. from from America right, um, right. Well, I think it's a bit of a shame like sketch is something we used to do really well yeah. in this country because obviously, like the antecedents of our comedy circuit in Britain are is the music hall. Yeah, yeah. Whereas you know, in America, it's much more stand-up based, and even our sort of stand-up comes. You know, the lineage is not really from um, from the same place as the Americans, and, and things we're very, very good at and very skilled at in in this country. We're in a phenomenal um, sketch tradition, which seems to have just fizzled out and, and gone yes. yeah 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 I, um, I agree yeah yeah um, it, which it, is which is a real shame because it it wasn't just that we were you know it was one of our main cultural exports yeah. which seems to have been um uh just just stopped you know it's like in, uh, if if the french suddenly decided to stop making champagne <laughs> or, <laughs> uh you know there are brilliant sketch acts yeah yeah. knocking about live but they're not you know they're not being put on um, it's um, it's 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 interesting what you say about um music uh, music hall because um when hmm. i first started going to stand up comedy in the 70s um 
it was all music hall based acts the 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 the, the main act i would love to have seen would was the Morecambe and wise they're the they're the reason why i love comedy but i did mm. see les dawson on a family holiday and I saw the two Ronnies, and I saw Ken Dodd, and I saw Tommy Cooper was incredible, and I got the buzz, for the, the 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 bug for it through that, and it was all mm. using the curtain, the the theatrical curtain technique that Eric and Ernie had, and Tommy Cooper had. It was mm. wonderful to see, and and bringing the audience in and everything. Um, but I, well, we, this has got nothing to do with comedy, but just culturally, the British yeah. are very bad. I mean, it's exactly the same uh, in British cinema yeah. to an extent, to an extent in theatre as well. That we are very um, bad at kind of being proud of our cultural legacy and yeah, yeah, the yeah. things that we've done and seeing those. You know, so we, you know, we we make fantastic, fantastic films in this country, like really like first rate, admired around the world. But we tend to be a bit sort of oh. Mm, about them ourselves here, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, that, people, are, people are much more afraid, you know. Yeah. English people are much more afraid with American or French filmmakers than they are. That is British that filmmakers. is so, that is so interesting because if you look at American sitcom as opposed to British sitcom, there there are obviously two different beasts. But the more mm. writers that are piled onto American sitcoms to try and make them as funny as they can be is extraordinary mm. compared to somebody like John Sullivan who yeah. solely wrote of course Only Fools and Horses and Just Good Friends etc etc and Sits and Smith it's 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 very interesting but I mean it's a lot less it's a lot less kind of output though isn't it yeah. you're looking yeah. at you know people who are doing 25 episodes a year versus yeah, yeah, yeah. 6 yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah I, I completely agree they're very very different beasts and um to an extent, I think we've been quite influenced in this country by American stand-up yes, over the last yeah, few years, yeah. which, you know, it's great, American stand-up's uh, fantastic, but um, as a, I'm somebody, I, I don't do sketch, but as a fan of, of that kind of thing, yeah. uh, I'd, I'd really like to see more of it. And one of those things about, you know, Python or um, Farsha or Harry Enfield, you know, a half-hour programme or a 20-minute programme where you've got a number of different sketches yeah. and you create a texture and a pattern in there is a very different thing to saying, here's a three-minute thing that we're just putting on the internet. You know, those can be good, but that can't replace an actual, was, you know, essentially like a variety show that you, you put together. It doesn't have that I was, texture. I was, I was talking to the comedian Fiona, Fiona Allen recently and I said... Uh, yeah. I said, "Will you? Oh bring, yeah, another great example. Are you yeah. are, are you going to bring back Smack Smack the Pony? Please do. It was a wonderful sketch show, and she basically said, if we can get everybody together, we'll try and bring it back. But again, I don't know. Whether, yeah, if you look at that era, that yeah, era at the end of the nineties, phenomenal. Yeah, cause, cause yeah Harry Simon Enfield going. Yeah, yeah, Harry Enfield. You had um, Harry Enfield, um, Far Show, yeah. Smack the Pony, yeah. Goodness Gracious Me, yeah. then you had Big Train. Yeah. Like, so you had all just these phenomenal. Big shows. Yeah. And then suddenly, yeah. and then you, you say, it has fizzled out. It's, it's and then at the same time, you had, you had uh, you know, programs like Brass Eye. Yeah, yeah. And that sat alongside things like the Jack D show, which was, yeah. you know, him doing like stand up. There was, there was a lot of vi uh, variety and it was incredibly diverse. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. 
Um, yeah, fascinating. And and following on from that, like me, do you go to a lot of comedy gigs as a member of the audience, either as a comedian or before a com- or before you were a comedian when you were, when you were growing up? Oh yeah, when I was growing yeah. up, sure. Yeah. Um, not so much now no. uh, uh, because it's it's just awful drudgery, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Fine. Um, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I, I just can't stand it. Don't find anything funny. Um, no, I just like I, I work a lot, so I don't really have the opportunities. Like when people sort of say, to be honest, I'm saying here, yeah, it's absolutely terrible. There haven't been the sketch shows. There might have been. There might have been. I don't know because I don't watch TV because yeah. I work nights. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I tend, your- I tend to, I tend to uh, watch things that uh, get recommended to me, or I watch right. a lot of stuff on YouTube of, of people like mending eight-track tape recorders. Um, I find. <laughs> That's 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 my that's, that's that's what I do. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, if you're if you're on a bill, uh, mm. a comedy bill, do you tend to stay and watch all the acts on the bill? No, I tend to be on last. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, or, or, or like these days, uh, I I'm sort of half the time I'm emceeing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. if I'm emceeing, um, I will do sometimes um, watch yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, the reason the reason I ask is that um, there's a section in my blog called the ones that got away, and I've written mm-hmm. about twenty five comedians who I just have not had chance or they've sadly passed on who I would have loved to have seen and I'm fascinated yeah. talking to all the comics what makes them tick who makes them laugh it and and uh, um but um yours was yours was a great choice um just before we go and I could talk to yeah. you all day I've much enjoyed this this uh, conversation I hope you have too you've been a great guest is there yeah, anything else chat. you would like to say um, do you have any uh, gigs coming up do you have any podcasts where can people find you on social media that sort of thing yeah social media I'm on uh, I'm on all of the stuff I don't really use it very much um, uh, it's not I'm not a, I'm not a huge social media person um if you wanted to listen to my stand-up i've got two two albums out um with 800 pound gorilla which are on whatever streaming platform you like uh i've got a podcast that i do with jade adams and red richardson called laughable um and we're just coming back for the second series of that at the moment i'm going to be in edinburgh doing a work in progress and just sort of generally around um but yeah i do i do um gig info and stuff will be on uh, twitter or instagram and that that kind of thing um but i'm not i'm not a, i'm not a prolific no. um social media user because yeah. i tend to think twitter is an evil bumhole that i'm um, <laughs> uh, it's very good to very resentful of the fact and that's it for me <laughs> i i find like i'm i've sort of forced against my will to be on it for work yeah. and as a comedian i rather think that's like forcing athletes to smoke but um <laughs> Very good, very good. Yeah, but um, well, but no, it's been it's been a lovely chat. Thank you for having me on. My um, pleasure, and 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 I am f- uh, looking forward very much to seeing you live again soon because I think you're an exceptional talent and you're a very funny man. So thank you very, very much kind. for your time and all the thank best. Thank you, Richard. You. Thank you. All Cheers, the best. Mate.